0: Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. and welcome back to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, Parenting SOS. Now, we know that new mums can have a tough time with their mental health during pregnancy and after giving birth, but what about the dads? Today, I'm speaking to Elliot Ray, a leader in diversity, equality, and inclusion. He's a speaker on fatherhood, masculinity, and men's mental health, founder of the Music Football Fatherhood parenting platform, and author of Amazon bestseller, dad he challenges traditional masculinity and promotes diversity through his book he also received a united Nations hashtag he for award for his work in engaging men in gender equality and co-founded the working dad's employer awards gosh you've been busy elliot hello and welcome we're thrilled to have you
2: is that me did i do that
0: <laughs> you did all that all that
2: <laughs> thank you it's, no it's um it's nice to hear that back sometimes you don't take stock of kind of what you do you're so busy on a day-to-day basis Yeah, it's amazing to be here. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Not at all. Does it feel quite bizarre that, you know, you found yourself now in this space where you're advocating for dad's mental health, maternal mental health, whereas years ago, you wouldn't have even thought that this would be a place that you would have found yourself.
2: Life is incredible. You know, my wife always says your mess is your message. And, (laughs) you know, it's incredible. I
0: love that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's definitely true. In my case, I've always had a social angle to my work whatever I've done I've always been the sort of person that wants to see change
0: yeah
2: but obviously I never knew that I would go through like an experience that would start this work yeah so yeah it is it is you know it's God's work and I'm very blessed to be able to do this work every day
0: so for those who don't know how have you found yourself on this path
2: you know a long career in inclusion I was in the civil service and before that I was working with young people teaching them music production so you know, I've always done that social work and wanted yeah. change, as I mentioned, but seven and a half years ago, I became a father. So my daughter's seven and a half. She's eight in October. And her start to life was difficult. She had an infection called group B strep. And if people know about that infection, it's quite serious. You know, about mm. one in 10 babies will sadly pass away and around one in 14 will have a lifelong severe disability. And so when she was born, she was you know quite grey. She had to be resuscitated. They had to suck fluid out of her airwaves with a straw. And at the same time, my wife was bleeding out very heavily as well. And so it was one of those moments, you know, as a 32-year-old at the time, where I think the first time in my adult life, you know, feeling helpless and hopeless and numb mm-hmm. and kind of thinking, this isn't happening to me, surely. The sort of thing you see like in a, in a in Like a an out-body or...
0: experience type thing, Yeah,
2: yeah. And so we spent a couple of weeks in the hospital and the hospital were amazing. It was Harlow and Princess Alexandra Hospital. They were amazing with us. You know, they gave us a room so I could stay in the hospital with my family. And we spent a couple of weeks in ICU and in special care with my daughter. And that was a real kind of up and down time. You know, some days would get good news. The infection was going and the antibiotics were working. Other days would get bad news that actually the antibiotics aren't working and the infection is coming back more aggressively. So that was a really tough time. But I think as a family, you know, we were OK throughout mm. that period. And then we got the good news eventually that, you know, we could go home. But on that same day, my daughter developed a bump on the back of her head just randomly.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think that's when the doctors were very, very worried. Like we had specialists come in from other hospitals. They sat us down. They prepared us for you know, different eventualities and they weren't quite sure what was going on. We were booked in for an MRI scan the next day. That night was by far... The most difficult of, of our lives, you know, we prayed and cried for hours. We were joined by Nagmeh, one of the midwives in the hospital, who joined us for hours. Yeah. Because we knew the news we would get the next day would be, you know, it would change our lives one way or another. So took my daughter for an MRI scan and went back into the room. And what was interesting is, throughout the two weeks we were in the hospital, the nurses and doctors would just burst through the door. They wouldn't knock. <laughs> Any, you know, three a.m. in the morning, four a.m. in the morning, just burst through the door and take the way they do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're used to that burst through the door. And when it happened, the nurse came with her hands like this and gave us a massive hug because, you know, we knew them pretty well by then. And they said it was a bone structure. You know, we could go home, which is amazing. So we spent another day or so, had a weekend at home a couple of days. And then, you know, I went back to work, back at my desk, smiling, being the, you know, friendly, extroverted person that I am and that I was, and kind of just masking ultimately what was going on at mm-hmm. home. And what was going on at home was, you know, my wife was, diagnosed with postnatal anxiety I was becoming very anxious I was becoming very very emotional insomnia really became a shell of myself and was really struggling you know really really struggling put on that brave face you know to friends and family and work colleagues and I learned a lot throughout that process about how good we are as humans at putting on a, a brave face
0: how long were you able to put on a brave face for
2: well, I would say probably a few months. And then my daughter had a severe allergic reaction when she was about seven, eight months old. And that was the moment where it was like, okay, cool. I can't, you know, it's hard to pretend. Yeah. I think it was at a point where we felt like we were just about getting used to parenting in a way. Mm-hmm. And then that happened and that was quite worrying. But yeah, so I, I learned a lot about masculinity, manhood, the support that new dads do or don't have. And why we need to support new fathers and recognise becoming a new dad is a joyous time, obviously, but can come with its stresses as well.
0: It's a very overwhelming time. You know, your life changes overnight. And on a previous episode, I think Paloma Faith said, life and death exist so close together. Hmm. And I think there's nothing like birth to really Hmm. highlight that, especially if it's a traumatic one Hmm. where You just don't know where you stand. And like you're saying about masculinity, we are a society where for a long time, the male is meant to know what to do, take charge and lead us through. Mm -hmm. And actually there are times where that's just not possible. And actually we live in a society now where everyone comes together to Mm -hmm. find a solution, but there's still that weight on so many men that they have to have the answers and they have to be strong in whatever those things are
2: you know deal with it but that's not helpful it's not helpful at all and i think the idea of masculinity i think is evolving which is good it's it's a messy evolution (laughs) and i think we're (laughs) we're all trying to figure it out but i would like to think we're getting to the point where yeah men can be strong and there's obviously times when in all of our lives when we need to be strong there's nothing wrong with that but at the same time we can be cared for as well and i think men can be breadwinners that is fine also they can be provided for I think men can be protectors but also be protected as well and I think it's about allowing ourselves to be all of those things you know and you might be a variety of those things throughout the day and that's fine you can be strong and stoic and and a breadwinner but you can also be sensitive and caring and be looked after as well all in the same breath you know if you like so I would hope that we can get to that place Mm -hmm. and you know, for me, a lot of my work and a lot of our work is about encouraging that through talking to men and having very open conversations about experiences and perspectives. But also, you know, how do we change and adapt some of the processes and systems that we live in that mm-hmm. kind of facilitate us behaving in the conventional masculine way? So there's there's a lot of work to do. I definitely felt like I was in that place, you know, yeah. of people knowing me as a certain person. This is who I am. And it just wasn't in a period of my growth where I felt. I could be vulnerable. And so many men are in that position, you know, and it's harmful for them. It's harmful for their families, for their children, Mm. for their relationships, everything.
0: Yeah. At what point did you feel like you could start talking about it and helping other dads in a similar situation?
2: So years later, to be honest, I mean, I kind of got diagnosed with PTSD eventually, kind of by accident, to be honest. What happened was I started writing about being a dad, I started my blog and that was you know growing very slowly <laughs> but uh I had a mutual friend who started a, a magazine and the magazine was around mother's mental health and she was looking for you know a dad to talk to you know, a dad that was talking about fatherhood basically so yeah. I met up with her and this was about a year after my daughter was born and it was the first time someone had asked me about the birth experience and I was talking to her and basically broke down during the conversation you know and she referred me to her friend who was a birth trauma specialist and we had a conversation and I received support for, through that way, but it was kind of by accident. I didn't go out and seek it myself. It was more like yeah. someone noticing this and, and, and that, but for me to be able to get to the point where I could you know, champion dad's mental health and equal parenting and stuff, that took years, you know, that took about two or three years after where I feel like I'm properly in that space where I can do the work. I think part of it is processing my own trauma. Yeah. Um, And the other part of it is, feeling like i have the knowledge but also secure in myself to deal with what can potentially come with doing this work which can be a little bit of judgement and a little bit of isolation not to say i don't have a lot of support i do but when you're one of a few voices kind of trying to say things that to some people are quite outside of the box it takes a certain level of security within yourself and I've only just got to that place in recent years where I can completely stand by with my full chest, the things that I talk about and I'm willing to deal with whatever that comes with.
0: It blows my mind that there would be pushback from a man standing up and talking honestly and openly and, you know, being vulnerable about his experience and in helping others in any way, shape or form, putting judgment on that and kind of shutting down the conversation.
2: Yeah, so it's less about me sharing my personal experience it's more so that that has always been well received it's more about you know the ideas about manhood and what yeah. is a man and talking about the evolution of masculinity and the fact that yeah men can be stay-at-home dads and we can be equal caregivers and we should work flexibly and the fact that you know a lot of families now are dual income and yeah what is required from a man is different now than it was 50, 60 years ago, those messages really annoy some people. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? They it's crazy as well
0: <laughs> when you're kind of like, you know, it's recognised now, although don't think it's enough has changed, that if a mother is working full time, she cannot, literally cannot take on all the other roles that she would have done previously had she not been out at work, if she'd been at home. So those roles have to be shared out. How can both parents, if it's a two parent family, like both be working full time and not share that
2: load? Exactly. And what we see is that even in, you know, in in dual income families, even where the mother works just as much and earns just as much or more, you know, the mum will generally take on more care and responsibility and do more housework as well. And I think it is about us men. And this is our message, recognising that times have changed and times have moved on. And the core important message is that it's really good for us as men
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because it means that we can live a fuller life. It means that we can step outside of those gender norms. We can maintain better male friendships. We can be there for our children when they are young. We can experience that fully. We don't have the pressure of having to be the breadwinner, which is not a good pressure I don't want all the time. You Mm -hmm. know, like we get to live full lives as well. And I think it is really important, like, that we recognise that you know, gender equality, stepping outside of those gender norms and those stereotypes what we think we need to be, they are important, I would say, essential for our health, for our physical health, for our mental health as well.
0: That's amazing. On Parenting SOS, we ask you your three most asked questions. Uh, so you've sent in three. And the first one is, why don't dads talk enough about their mental health?
2: I think a lot aren't expected to. I think many don't recognise and realise when they're going through challenges. I think we don't have the process through our healthcare system, and I love the NHS, this is not a criticism, this is, um, you know, I work. we work closely with lots of NHS trusts, but there aren't always the support processes through the maternity process that engages dads to the point where they feel like they can go back to their services to seek help and support. And I think as we've been speaking about just now, the overall idea of manhood and masculinity, you know, is for all men, and then men become dads. So, or some men become dads. So it just carries on, I would say.
0: Yeah. Mm. I was just wondering, is there something in the fact that when something is happening, like the birth or those early days, you're kind of you're functioning, you're getting through. Mm. And actually there's some time after where those thoughts start being processed a little bit more as if because there is a delayed reaction in that because you've been so focused on getting through it's easy to see how someone would get lost in that way because you're already out the system
2: yeah definitely i mean most of the time postnatal depression for men and women is actually diagnosed between like six to nine months after yeah. the baby is born it's not straight away because straight away you're just in this new like baby thing and This is all mad. You're expecting the chaos, yeah. But then months afterwards, when it kind of settles down, when people stop coming over so much and, you know, like the reality of the sleep deprivation kicks in, maybe you go back to work, et cetera. That's when we see the most diagnosis and the most symptoms. But I think, yeah, for men, we campaign quite a lot for equal parental leave. And I think that has a big part to play in it as well. You know, like in my experience, a lot of men will get the statutory two weeks they go back to work and then you're in the balance of working, you go home, you're trying to be an active parent, an active dad, and your life can be a bit of a blur. And yeah. so recognizing how you're feeling at that point can be quite difficult. You're just trying to figure out where you are in the adjustment. And it does take a while to figure out, oh yeah, actually that is what I was feeling. This is what I was doing. You know, and I think it is very important for us to talk about some of those symptoms Mm hmm. And I think in postnatal depression, what we see is that there are common similarities with men and women and whatnot. One of the differentiators is that men can be more likely to like want to take risks. They can be more likely to drink and abuse substances and can be more likely to overwork as well. That fits in with the bigger kind of symptoms around withdrawal or sadness or, you know, all, all those things. But particularly with men, not exclusively, but they can yeah. be more likely to take risks, to maybe drive faster, not wear a seatbelt, drink more, overwork to maybe avoid what's going on. And so I think it's really important to think about those things and read up on those for everyone really. If you're a new dad yourself and maybe you need to mm. recognise what you're going through and see your behaviour, maybe. But also for you know, for work colleagues, for partners, just to be able to see the changes maybe that the new dad in their life has gone through and just be aware of that. And that puts them in a better position to be able to intervene and support if needed. You know, I I really champion just just learning. We can't be experts in everything, but you know, if you go on the the MIND website or the NHS website and search dad's mental health, within half an hour, you'll have so much knowledge that you didn't have before. Um, And that can really help to support new dads in your life. It could be a brother, a son, a work colleague, a husband, A friend, yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The next question is, what can the NHS do to help new dads who are suffering from postnatal depression or other forms of poor mental health?
2: It's a great question.
0: I know. (laughs) Well done, you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So very passionate about this area. And I do want to shout out Dad Matters in Manchester. So they are one of the only integrated NHS services in the country that support dads all through the maternity process. Interestingly, in Manchester, in through the Dad Matters service, they have a higher number of dads coming back into the service post-birth for mental health support. And that is really interesting. Yeah, It's not that dads in Manchester have more mental health issues, I don't think. It's that they understand and they have seen a service that has supported them and they feel comfortable enough to go back into that service afterwards. And I think that's a really important point because the whole notion that, you know, men don't talk, which of course is true to an extent, I think. But at the same time, if men are supported to talk and they understand it's non-judgmental and the support is going to be there, they will talk. They definitely will. So I think what we could do is we could replicate that model throughout the whole country. Easier said than done. Every trust has their own budget and priorities, etc. But the model is there it's not perfect, but it really does work. And I think having, you know, a dad, a new dad going to those appointments where rightly or wrongly, they could feel a little bit alienated from the process. A lot of dads do tell us they go there, they feel like a bit of third wheel. I'm sure the midwife is very stressed out and there's loads on, but maybe the midwife is like really focusing on the mother, which of course we're not saying she shouldn't, but also acknowledge the father is there as well. You know, use his name give him eye contact, talk to him about how he can support his partner and some of the changes he might go through when he becomes a new dad. Many people don't know, but many dads have a drop in testosterone when they have a new baby. So talking about those sort of things, giving the dad resources that they can go and look up on their own time. Our book, some NHS trusts use our book to say, here you go, have a read of this, or here's this leaflet for this support group, a local support group that you can join. Those sort of things are amazing for engaging dads in the process and then we know when you're engaged in the process when you're thinking about what kind of dad you want to be what kind of life you want your family to have what is a vision for your life that dad is going to find the adjustment into fatherhood a little bit easier and also they're going to understand where to go if they need support and they can be more open to that support i think there's so much that they can do in the nhs and um you know as i said disclaimer. I love the NHS. I think they, <laughs> the individuals do amazing work. Seriously, when we were in the hospital, I was in awe. I was like, oh my gosh, my job is so easy in comparison to yours. Like, I'm not saving lives. <laughs> if I get things wrong, no one dies. Like, they work so hard. They're underpaid. And I'm a massive advocate for the people in the NHS. It's just the systems that could improve a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Your third question. What can I do to help my male friend, partner, colleague who I think is suffering from postnatal depression?
2: So the first thing I would say is if you think that is really good, you know, it clearly means that you've done some of the work to recognise the symptoms. So that's that's great. And I think the next thing is around how you can approach a conversation. And the aim of that conversation can be two things. It can be to signpost that dad to support services whether that's peer support or clinical support so understand where you want to signpost to before you have the conversation and the other aim of the conversation is just to see how they are and let them know that you support them that you've noticed some changes that you're not judging that you've got their best interests at heart and you just want to have a conversation and see how they're doing I find sometimes the best way to start a conversation, especially around this topic and given, you know, all we've spoken about around masculinity and manhood and, and, mm. and that sort of stuff. I really find starting with a resource is quite a good thing to do. So rather than making it personally about, like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, recommend they watch something or read something that you found whether that's a chapter in a book or a tv show or listen to a podcast and then have a conversation about that yeah I think what that does is it takes away it being so personal straight away like we as humans are so much more comfortable talking about other people and other things so I've really found that can help I know our dad book has done that for a lot of people (laughs) funny enough actually a lot of women will buy that for like brothers or, or their partner or whatnot as a way of being like we've noticed something you know read this read just a chapter read a chapter of this let's talk about it it's a nice way into a conversation or a news article or whatever it is so I would say try and approach it that way but ultimately you know don't get caught up in language don't feel like you have to know it all try not to have solutions these are good pointers for conversations full stop you know ask open questions, don't assume and just be there for someone, you know, like think about when you have the conversation. Sometimes we start conversations when we don't actually have time to finish them. Yeah. <laughs> make time if you can, take someone for lunch, go for a drink, whatever it is that you can do together and make time for the conversation and don't give up. You know, sometimes you might have a quick conversation, you might plant a seed, you come back a couple of weeks later and you have another conversation as well.
0: Yeah.
1: com slash weight loss.
0: On Parenting SOS, we ask our Happy Mother Baby community to send in some questions, and they know that you're on, so they have sent some in. Actually, the first one is, how does society's expectations of masculinity impact men's mental health, which you have obviously already touched on? Hmm. I don't know if you want to expand on that anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, just running through some statistics then. So one in 10 new dads will... Experience some symptoms of postnatal depression in the first six months of their new baby's life
0: wow one in ten how is that not talked about
2: i know it's incredible isn't it yeah it's one in five for mums and i think you know it's probably underreporting reporting for mums and dads because yeah. especially for dads because we don't <laughs> you know we don't talk so um it's definitely probably is under reporting there's definitely more and when you think about it you know i know so many men who have struggled as new dads it's not always severe depression that needs clinical support But you notice that change. You know, you do notice a change. And having a baby, even if you haven't gone through a traumatic birth or nothing extraordinary has happened, just the sleep deprivation and the realisation that you have a life to look after. Yeah, that's a massive
0: (laughs) life change. You know what I mean? Your baby's not going to come in and everything's going to stay the same. That's, you know, the responsibility that you take on with that. The fact that you can't just walk out the door and leave life behind. It's always just so massive i think yeah after a birth.
2: it's that it's that identity isn't it like your identity yeah. shifts completely your priorities you know they should shift completely from just being able to do largely whatever you want so that can be a massive thing the testosterone drop for some men as well like these are big factors and i think the one in ten there's the new research that showed around 40 percent of new dads are concerned about their mental health which i think is probably a positive thing if men are Thinking about it, you know, that's not necessarily a negative statistic, depending on the way you look at it. Um, one in eight men in general be, will be suffering from some sort of kind of common mental health condition like OCD or depression or anxiety. So these are big numbers. They're big statistics. There's a lot of people. This is not a, yeah. you know, a niche problem. This is a very mainstream problem that we will all either experience or know someone in our life that experiences. And I think the reason, you know, we, we've spoken that men don't talk is just those ideas of manhood. And I think the more we can to shift that, the better. I post quite a lot around the media. In my local shopping center yesterday and I saw a mums and papas advert of a a new dad, a black dad pushing his pram. There's a picture from which a big billboard from which the other day, which showed a dad in bed looking up things to do in half term and his kid was sleeping. And you know, the media has a role to play in evolving the idea of fatherhood and manhood. Mm -hmm. The NHS has a role to play The government has a role to play. You and I have a role to play. People with platforms and voices to talk about this stuff, to share our stories. We can do that for men in general and evolve that and make conversation and talking and vulnerability the norm alongside some of those conventional ideas of masculinity. We'll get to the point where men do talk more. And what I'm really happy to see, actually, is over the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic, there's been more and more kind of men's groups popping up talking groups walking groups in local areas there's so many little charities now that are doing it I work with a lot of employers so many organizations especially in construction I'm finding in professional services like they're asking me to go in and help to set up men's groups where they can discuss in a safe space issues around loss around relationships all all the stuff and that is a new thing Like we weren't having those conversations five, 10 years ago. You know, And I think largely from the pandemic, it's made us a little bit more vulnerable. But also with BLM, the murder of George Floyd, we've had more vulnerable conversations in the workplace about a variety of different topics. And I think we're getting to the point now where that's kind of going into the space around manhood. And what I find is really interesting at the moment as well is that I feel like we have kind of a very polarized society in so many different forms. And when it comes to the conversation about manhood, I'm finding that it's polarized. On one hand, you have like the Andrew Tate, the Jordan Petersons, that kind of thing of let's go back to traditional manhood and you know you should be dominant, misogyny, all that sort of stuff. That's on one side. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we're seeing a lot of young men and dads you know, choosing an employer because they can work more flexibly or because that employer offers enhanced paternity leave. So I think we're seeing like, people shifting and kind of yeah. picking a side, if you like. And that conversation is is positive in one part where we are progressing and we are having these men's groups and more paternity leave and, and more vulnerability. And then we ask more positive images in the media, et cetera. But on the other side, we're seeing the rise of online misogyny, more misogyny in schools. Well, and that's
0: the interesting thing, isn't it? So with someone like Jordan Peterson, you could watch a video of his that you agree with, which is just about life and perspective, And then all of a sudden you're sucked into this other side. Like, it's incredible, I think, how easily people can be swept up with someone's whole ideology and way of thinking when we should know that we can go, I agree with you on that. I don't agree with you on that. I don't have to be completely bought in to someone's entire thought and, you know, the way that they think life should be.
2: Exactly. And it fascinates me. We see it reflected in politics. You'll see people who believe in brexit for example who were anti-vaccination and it's like they, yeah. those are two different issues like you don't, have, yeah. to, <laughs> you don't <laughs> have to believe just because this cohort of people believe that thing and then we all kind of have to believe everything that's in there and i think like with tate and jordan peterson it is that you know andrew mm. tate says some stuff that's actually okay go to the gym be fit like that's cool like that's great yeah but it's pretty much a shit sandwich there's a lot of shit in yeah. the middle <laughs> like yeah 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 i think it's really important that we can talk to especially young people, but all people about recognising that and thinking critically about what you're especially hearing. Especially
0: when you then fall into an algorithm that's going to feed you more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so you're constantly being told that that is the dialogue, that is the way that you're meant to be, that's the way that you're meant to think. Even mature minds can't work their way through that and block it all out.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, we, we see not only young boys influenced by this, but a lot of people, a lot of men, you know, yeah. it's not age isn't necessarily an indicator of how we receive this information and what we believe. Sometimes it's down to where you are in your life, your upbringing, culture, all that sort of stuff plays a part. Your friendship groups, all that sort of stuff. So we're seeing very much the the polarisation and Mm
1: -hmm.
2: it's about the people on the side that I'm on that wants to talk about positive masculinity and, and understands the benefits for us, being louder with our voices and being just as appealing to people. And helping people to understand how to get to where they want to get to. I think one thing that Andrew Tate and the like do very well is say, you know, follow this and you'll get here. And I think for the side of positive masculinity, it's about doing that as well. Talking about what success looks like in this new world and how you can build a, a happy you know, relationship and a successful career and have a great relationship with your child and, and hopefully good mental and physical well-being through practicing positive masculinity and allowing yourself to yeah be strong be vulnerable be protector be protected all at the same time you know so that's the responsibility
0: yeah one person has written in and said my husband has depression and is worried about passing it on to our child how can I help him
2: so my first thought is he may be concerned in a couple of different ways is he concerned? genetically some of our genes are predisposed to that and you know mental health can run in the family that is something that I think if he's he's thinking about then that's good you know I think we need to be more honest I think around some of the health challenges that we have and some of the things our children may pick up from us Mm. you know I'm a black man we are more likely to have high blood pressure and diabetes and stuff like that and that's a conversation that I'm having more and it's something that I, I won't shy away from with my daughter. The fact that, you know, she may need to look after herself in different ways because this potentially could be something that could be diagnosed with at a younger age than, than other people because of her genetics. So I think if you're having that conversation and thinking about it now, then that's a positive thing because then yeah. you can put in place steps to help and support. The other way they may be thinking about it could be kind of passed on is by the environment that is kind of created maybe Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and again i think it's good that that is being recognized
0: awareness is a massive thing isn't it
2: awareness yeah so if you're aware of it then what is it that you can do to try and create an environment for your child that is a positive one that hopefully does all the things that can make them mentally well so you know are, are they for example getting active are they going outside are they seeing you being active? Are they seeing you playing with them and engaging with them? Are you having good conversations? Are they seeing you kind of eating well and eating together? Do you take time to eat as a family? Do they see you with your friends and see you in social environments? Do you indulge with the things that they like to do? Music, games, whatever it is. And I think yeah, you know, as hard as possible to do that. I know it's easier said than done because... When you have depression, you're not always in a position to do all those things. But I think the fact that he is aware of it, for me, says, OK, there's obviously some motivation and ability to be able to do some of those things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big question. It's a big question. Yeah.
0: Someone has asked, how do you help someone who needs help, but they don't want to talk about it or open up?
2: Mm-hmm. So I think this goes back to, you know, I would say, the resource thing. Sometimes I find with us, with Music Football Fatherhood, so we do community events, you know, we have partnerships with Arsenal and we have an event with Watford coming up on the 17th of June, day before Father's Day. And we do these big kind of like community events where people come to us, we have conversations and whatnot. But we also do like content on social media. We have our book, I presented the documentary Becoming Dad. And sometimes we'll get messages from people online or emails saying, oh you know you don't know me I've just read your book and they don't want to talk (laughs) like they don't want to chat they don't want to come to our events they don't want to see us that's fine like you don't have to but actually not just our book but other resources are out there as well like people can watch and read in their own time and I think sometimes just provide that resource for them and say look we don't have to talk about it if you're not ready that's fine but can you please just read this or watch this or listen to this podcast, this podcast right now, or whatever it is. Yeah, listen to this, listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to this. And take some time to digest for yourself, you know? And then think about how you can care for yourself. Like, how can you make sure you're doing the basics? Try and sleep. I am a hypocrite. I'm not the best sleeper. I go to bed way too late. But try to go to bed on time. I'm watching Maths Australia right now, and that's just making me stay up late.
0: What is Maths Australia?
2: Mad at first sight.
0: Oh... (laughs) Was really highbrow I thought I you know. said maths not maths no, 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 no. okay
2: <laughs> and it's those you know that's like you're watching another maths. episode and that's it's like 12.30 anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah it's alright you've got to have those moments you've got to let them in exactly it's fine
2: but yeah I would say you know like if you're listening to this or, or what you can encourage people to do is read the resource and hopefully suggest things that they can do for themselves you know get to sleep keep physically active eat well you know Th- those are the basics yeah. over and above that see your friends social stuff is so important go out like meet your friends like meet people that you enjoy spending time with listen to music that you like be creative you know maybe you like to work on your car or you like to write poetry or or you know whatever you like to do graphic design like creativity is really important for our brain you know do the things that we need to do and if you can encourage someone to just do those things maybe they don't have to talk to you right now maybe they're not ready for that but can help themselves it's so easy to
0: get stuck in a rut I think when you're a new parent as well if you know or any point I've been doing it a long time now of being stuck in I work and then I have time with my family and there's no time for you it can feel like an indulgent thing almost to take that half an hour to go for a run or to sit down in silence and read a book it feels like there's so much to do what do I think I'm doing you know and actually it's just so difficult to realize that that is beneficial it's not self-indulgent it's not you know something that means you're being selfish
2: yeah it's really important isn't it like yeah even now my wife and I will kind of like take turns on the weekend so Saturday morning is my time and Sunday morning is her time and so you know don't disturb me before 12 (laughs) o'clock unless we have something going on
1: Um, but in general
2: you know my wife takes our daughter to ballet and keyboards on Saturday morning and that's my time. I go yeah. to the gym or I just do whatever I'm doing, whatever I want to do, and vice versa on a Sunday. And that just gives us the, the time about feeling guilty to be able to do the things. But it's really important. Like you need to, like, Obviously, you can't continue the life you had before completely straight away. Of course, you know, realistically, there will be adaptations that need to be made. But maybe you went to the gym five times a week. Maybe you can go two. You, know, you, you can still keep it up. Maybe you used to go yeah. and meet your friends every week. Maybe you just do once a month for the yeah. first year. But you can still do those things. And it's really important to try and like work together in a relationship, work together to try and make that happen for both of you.
0: Yeah, I feel like the conversation around maternal mental health has changed so much in the last five, 10 years. And that the shame and embarrassment that people feel that stops them, you know, reaching out is kind of diminishing because there's so many people talking about it. I really hope that that sort of extends out to paternal mental health as well. We've seen it happen the other side. So let's hope it happens for men as well. There's so many questions that we can't possibly answer because otherwise we're going to be here all day long. <laughs> um, but we finished with you completing three sentences. And the first one is being a parent means.
2: It means everything. You know, I look at my daughter and I say, you, like, you don't know how you changed daddy's life. And she like, they'll look at me like, okay. <laughs> but I'm like, you like fundamentally have changed my life in the core of my who I am, my priorities in life my purpose my work and I think being a parent is such a blessing you know it's a massive responsibility a massive gift it's joyous but let's be honest it can also be tough as well and it's probably the hardest thing that you'll ever do that I've ever done it tests my patience mm-hmm. <laughs> to levels <laughs> that you know I didn't know were there but at the same time you know it's sometimes those things those difficult things that, that actually mean the most and um and give us the most back in life.
0: Yeah. If I could tell you one thing, it would be?
2: Keep turning up. One thing that our minister, Helen, who sadly has been diagnosed with cancer, so I want to pray for her, but she did a sermon a few months ago uh, this year, and it was around leadership. And one of the things she said was, keep turning up. And that was powerful. I took that as, you know, keep turning up, keep trying to make good decisions, keep exercising keep communicating with your partner keep loving your child keep turning up every day and sometimes life can get overwhelming but if we just try and keep turning up every day and the best ability that we can then i think that's all we can do really
0: yeah and finally i'm happy when
2: i'm happy when i am in my living room watching a massive football match (laughs) I'm just being honest. Watching <laughs> okay. a massive football match, and my daughter's with one of her cousins, and they're having fun. Uh, me and my wife, she loves football too, so we're watching the game together. So that's good. Yeah. And I've got a cold alcoholic beverage, and it's a sunny day outside, and there's good food to eat. Yeah. Or when I'm in Albifa, which we go every year. So, one.
0: How that's lovely. <laughs> Elliot Ray, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you and I hope actually we can do more together to I'd make sure to. that we're scooping up mums and dads and making the journey smoother for everyone. Later on this week, we have a special episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby talking to Lily Pebbles and her husband Rich and his experience of paternal mental health and health anxiety. So that will be with you on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Elliot, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I loved it.
2: I loved it. Thank
0: you. I loved it. Thank Thank you. (laughs)